Welcome to the Creative Cove podcast. My name is Anya Mjolnicek. I'm a visual artist, mural maker, installation creator, a waste upcycler, and an all-around creative innovator, giving nature a voice through my work. In each episode, we cover a theme or bring you a guest that will elevate, inspire, and connect you with your creative purpose, make you understand your business, and align you with truths to take your practice to the next level. But first, before we dive in, please take a second to leave this podcast a five-star review and hit subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Share with your friends and the creatives in your life that could use these chats. Connect with me on social and let me know if this episode resonated with you, what other topics you'd love covered, or what artists you want to hear on the show. Creativity is our birthright. We don't let anyone tell us differently. And where we're concerned, the sky is the limit. You feel me? Let's go. All right, episode two, welcome. It's my pleasure introducing our very first artist interview with Morgan Abenheim, who creates mesmerizing and intriguing works in both content and aesthetic. I personally find her portraits to be super unique and one of a kind, while her style is defined by depth and the detail she achieves through her choice discipline of oil and acrylic paint. In her chat, Morgan offers a rich perspective and her insight into her experiences as a visual artist. So I hope you have a few takeaways as I did. And please, I hope also my audio doesn't deter you from the interview itself, which is wicked. I'm still working it out, but you can hear Morgan crystal clear. All right, so episode two, enjoy. So my name is Morgan. I um, am born, raised, and based in Toronto, uh, so I'm a townie, and um I am a painter. My work is very portraiture based. I, um, I studied at OCAD and my focus there was portraiture. And, um, I work in, um, well, I grew up in the optical industry and the, so like eye knowledge is something that like, I'm a fountain of weird artifacts. (laughs) Um, but, um, yeah, one thing that I found really fascinating and I, this was actually something that came to me when I was at university and it wasn't, um, it actually had nothing to do with being in the optical industry, which is such like a weird, like synchronicity connected, like, like granola thing. <laughs> but um, anyways, I, so I came across this study about, um, it was a psychology study on memory and this doctor was having his um he was having his like patients or the people who volunteered to do this study meet these 27 people and then they went home with the portraits of these people and they had to memorize them and like send them back and then like like a month or two later he would send them like dissected photos of these people again but they were in black and white and they had to match like who the nose went to who the eyes went to who the mouth went to um and within that the, so it was something like the nose was like the 50th percentile, the mouth was like 20th percent, and then the eyes were in the Whoa. 90th percentile. So like the eyes were like really high up all across the board. And so within the grooves and ridges of your iris, you have over 200 identification points. Um, so your right eye is completely unique from your left eye. And you like, that's why um, iris and retinal scanning is so huge. And it's way more accurate than dentals or thumbprints or whatever. And so my, 
that was like the root of what like kind of sparked this idea um and then obviously it was like all of the art history being like the female is the gaze the female is this the female is like this objectified like component and I was thinking a lot about that in portraiture and like for a while it was kind of it kind of like I don't know I so my idea was to zoom in on the eyes of people that I know because your eyes completely unique Mm -hmm. to you right like the pattern in your iris is unique to you that like they can they can recognize you because of the the pattern um and so recreating that and recreating that connection because that's how we gauge things that's how we connect with people that's how we read their body language that's how we you know is through the eyes and through like how we can tell if people are lying or being honest or whatever so when you focus on that and you zoom in on that it's like these deconstructed portraits like you're essentially you're essentially stripping your subject of all its physiological markers you're stripping it of race you're stripping it of gender you're stripping it of facial expression and context and symbolism and it's when you take a piece of portraiture or you take someone and you zoom in so much that it's still them but eliminating all of these components that we use to identify and categorize and read people. And you're just left with this form of connection. How do you explore the human experience and the things that we deal with or interact with or witness and observe on a day-to-day life within this really simplistic form of portraiture? Can you, can you connect with it the same way? Can you, can you, connect with the experience that this person is having or this person is part of. And I mean, you can only, like, I can only connect with it to the extent of my own understanding of it, right? So every portrait I paint of other people doing this like abstract component, which is where a lot of like the woodworking and the resin and stuff has come into my work. Um, it's, it's really a projection of myself, even though it's, portraits of friends and family that I connect with deeply. No, that's amazing. And your work is super powerful and it just draws you in. And I love all the eye facts. Like they're so cool. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy that it's like such a personalized thing and it's like so subtle and like you have you have 400 identification points completely unique to you. Like that's wild to me. It's so crazy. And I've actually been really loving so. watching your stories where you're like painting in the lines, like the, the, the grooves, I'm oh, assuming thanks. that's what you called them. Like, it, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, like a iris pattern. So cool. But um, yeah, like the, yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. You get into a bit of a, like, almost like a flow state, but it's, I don't know. It's very soothing. Yeah. No, like you, you lose track of time. Yeah. <laughs> That's flow state. Yeah, not that. Yeah, time's not real, anyways. But in flow state, it really. <laughs> That's what it's about, honestly. When you kind of like yeah. are in that moment in time, and like honestly, nothing else matters. Like it's, I feel like a very beautiful regenerative place to be in as well. Yeah, and it's just like it's. I mean, it's yeah. It's like a very intimate moment. It is. It's a very, very intimate moment, whether it's creating or sculpting or, or painting. And that's one of the things that's really cool about working really big. Like I work 
large and I work small, but I, I love the intimacy that comes with working on mm-hmm. a huge piece. And I mean, I, you do murals. I'm sure you can relate to that on to an extent. <laughs> oh, the- do you find like, do you find that with your, when you make big Yeah, pieces? you know what, it's funny for me, like, I mean, coming from the, the, I started small scale, I started with fine art, and I'm mixed media as well, so I find that I actually get more lost in my material collages when I'm working with waste, or I'm cutting things up, and then putting, piecing them back together, I find that's more my flow state than my murals. When I'm on murals, though, I get lost really? in, like, the wall texture. Like, I know where, like, the weirdest, like, crevice is or, like, a crack or something because, yeah, you become so intimate with this, like, large surface because when I'm working with aerosol, I find that it's just very broad. Like, the spray kind of reaches more than, like, you would just using, you know, the end of your paintbrush. So I don't really physically mm-hmm. touch, like, all of the surface necessarily, but when I'm physically touching every little element in a material collage that's when I find I get very absorbed into that into that detail into that flow state like I can easily lose track of time there yeah touch touch is a huge component there's a definitely like physically connecting with the piece is very is like yeah it's different it's definitely different yeah but lately I've been dabbling a lot with uh, woodworking and resin pouring. And so I'm kind of a multimedia artist. Oh, that's so wicked. And I want to say, is that you dabbling in other mediums right now? Is that because of the current situation, the quarantine that we're in? No, it's more so just I, I like working with different materials. I think that when you take the time to like step outside your comfort zone um you get to you get the opportunity to like relearn and like reapproach something in a very different way than maybe you get a little comfortable with so um I like to do it as a way to push myself a little bit further explore my subject or my concept in like a different way and just kind of play with something new like it keeps it interesting for me um I think that there's a lot of um I think that there's a lot of opportunity to expand when you use a different medium because you may use it differently than it's normally used. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with that. I, on my own, because I definitely love experimenting with whatever I can get my hands on. I find that it can also, yeah, like you're saying, re-inspire you to do things differently and look at your practice differently. So, yeah, having said that, why do you make art to begin with? Like, why do you create? Um, I think, well... So I've always created. I really can't imagine not creating at all. Like, I just feel like it's, um, I feel like if I'm not creating, I'm like, I'm stifling a part of myself. Um, It's just, it's an extension of who I am. Like, it's just what I do. Yeah, I feel like as as creatives in general, we, a lot of us can, can relate to that. I feel like creating is such an intimate part of who we are and how we respond to the world and everything around us. Um, Yeah, exactly. And it's like when you don't have the opportunity to, to explore that or to um, internalize that, like you're letting yourself down. Like if you, like you need to create, not you, but like I need to create or like people. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't want to speak on your behalf, but yeah, I think that like we, need to take that opportunity to explore that and because we we're sensitive you know we mm-hmm. take things in a different way than a lot of other people sometimes and like that's what sets that fire off that's what 
fuels us. It becomes an extension of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So how would you say that you get into your creative flow? I know that's like a big thing for a lot of artists when we more or less maybe hit a creative roadblock, but just staying in our own flow and how do you stay connected to it? Um, I think, so for me, I think that the first thing is um, with my art and what I'm doing, like a lot of my subject matters are people that I'm close with or connect with really deeply. Um, and so it's always a bit of a personal sort of intimacy with my work. And even on days when like I have trouble getting into a flow, I have like a, I do the five minute rule where you're like, okay, I'm just going to do this for like five minutes. And then it just kind of like forces the flow. Like once you get to that five minute mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like sometimes I go to the studio and I'm like sitting there for an hour and like eating snacks and like <laughs> not doing work. And that's totally cool too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's part of the process. Sometimes it's just like looking at pictures or just going for a walk or, you know, like you just, you do what you need to do to create. Like it's not a, it's not a flick of a switch, you know, like you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't, sometimes you have to force yourself, but you don't, you shouldn't have to force yourself all the time. Yeah, no, definitely. I find like you're saying, it's very intuitive it kind of comes and goes, but I mean, like it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. something that like you're doing by four through just like your daily being like yeah having that snack and then like being like all right now I'm ready you know it just like was that moment and it clicks and you're like good to go yeah or even if you're like you know like let's say you're having a snack and like reading an article and you see something in that article and you're like whoa like that really ties into this other thing and like it makes me want to like jump into that or it makes me want to like do this thing or it makes me want to get going on this other project And so I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it just kind of comes as it comes. Well, yeah, that's sweet. So like, we're pretty much talking about the creative process. And I wanted to ask, what does your creative process look like after the final product? Um, Like once my painting's done? Yeah. Like, do you have any sort of routine or ritual? Like once you finish a painting, what happens after that? Um, so sometimes I need to take like a week or two to just recharge and like re, um, and just kind of like recoup, but it depends on the circumstance. Like if I'm preparing for a show or if I'm preparing for like something very specific that a piece needs to be done, Mm -hmm. um, then sometimes I need to take a moment, but otherwise I just kind of jump into the next painting or the next piece or the next project. Um, I have like this little book that I keep and every time I have an idea, I like jot it down or sketch it out or like kind of work out the, um, the plan I have for it. And then I like make a little tab and attach a tab so I can refind it. And so I just like do that. And I have like this book just full of all concepts and ideas. So when I'm done one painting, I kind of jump back and I look through it. And sometimes I end up um, collaborating two ideas or I end up focusing on one idea and seeing where it takes me. Mm-hmm. And so I never have like a really concrete um execution from beginning to end it always it always changes a lot (laughs) I I totally I can totally same with me like I don't really have a final plan it just kind of makes its way with me sometimes yeah this book that you put ideas for you like when do these ideas pop up honestly it's really random it's not (laughs) it's not like uh like sometimes I'll be walking and I'll like see something and it'll spark like a thought and then that thought goes into the book or I see something that I think is really interesting in shape or form and like that goes in or it's just you know sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like little collages or like little 
ways that things will be constructed. So sure. it really, it really depends. Yeah. Do you keep a sketchbook as well? You know what? I, I keep a journal now. For me, it's funny. I kind of have stopped sketching and painting or drawing as much. And I feel like a lot of what I'm doing right now is just journaling and putting out more of my emotions and bigger projects or plans. Like I actually have kind of stopped my studio practice, but journaling, mm-hmm. that's kind of, I guess, my little idea book where it's not necessarily things that I'm physically working on currently, but just like mementos or just points to come back to and remind myself of what I'm interested in or what I would like to remind myself to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Journaling super important. I think it's, yeah. it's a great way to just kind of like get it all out there and like put it out there just to oh, be out there. I could literally just talk about journaling for an hour. It's, it's like definitely <laughs> something that I've just gone like head first into the last year. I think I've like tore through, I think my cat is trying to get into this room. Sorry if you can hear that. Um, I've just gone into so many journals lately and just kind of have like a morning and evening practice of putting in my mm-hmm. thoughts, like when I wake up and then when I go to bed and it's, it's been really helpful. Yeah, that's amazing. Sometimes like just even free writing in general, like mm-hmm. to just like purge and like kind of give yourself this weird third party perspective as it's like pouring <laughs> out of you. And it's like, like this split moment of just like free writing and letting it come out, but like analyzing what you're writing as you're writing it and like working through it. It's I don't know. Yeah, that, it's so like, cool. <laughs> yeah, I totally really get that. Cool. Sometimes you're like, Sometimes you're like, what the hell is going on? And sometimes you're like, this is magic. And like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's cool. It's really like, yeah, I mean, obviously for anyone that's listening, if you don't journal or just pour out your thoughts, emotions, like on a piece of paper, definitely test it out because it's really come in handy. And I find that it's gotten me out of kind of confusion or moments of doubt. And even if I am having that creative, creative block, I find that even putting my energy to a different outlet and not physically like making that piece in the moment but maybe like doing the journaling or like going for a walk like you say when you're like walking you see something and that there's an idea for you it's like the same thing like the initial moment of creation where you're getting blocked to like just moving your energy like through something else to get that inspiration a hundred percent and even if it's just like just giving yourself the freedom to like purge it like you Mm -hmm. don't even have to reread it or like go back to it but just to like get it out there Agreed. I feel, yeah, because I feel like if something's blocking you, something energetically that's just stopping you in your tracks, and if you can get that energy out whatever way you need, it's the journaling or the walking or dancing around your room, then it's the way to go. So, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's a great way to unload. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. All right, cool. So I really want to know about your experiences exhibiting your work. I mean, you've shown in galleries and you had a show in New York City what kind of positive takeaways or like learned experiences can you offer us from those moments um positive okay so one one show that I really enjoyed doing was um I did a show with uh Dana Corey Mm -hmm. and um great artist she does these really beautiful sculptures that are um paper sculptures and they replicate wood and gemstones and anyway so we collaborated on a piece which was a ton of fun I love doing collaborations um I'd never really done like one like that before but it was it was a lot of fun because we both merged our styles and we created this like really beautiful thing and like put on our own show and um, so that was I think September 2018 I think so that was really cool and it was really awesome we did it at um 
at our gallery, which is uh, Darren, Darren's gallery. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Darren. Um, but yeah, so we, we did it there and it was cool. It was like very stressful to do a DIY show. But <laughs> it was, it was a lot of fun and it was, it gave a lot of insight as to like what was needed, what wasn't needed, like the important, the important components of putting it all together. Yeah. But, so what would you say those are like the important like components that you have to just be mindful of for like any artist that is thinking about maybe putting on their own show this year or in the future? I mean, so I think for us, like we wanted something that what that kind of merged our pieces together. So for us, it was figuring out what pieces we wanted to make it cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to promote it. Um, we wanted to have um, drinks for our friends and family and people who came through to the gallery on the opening night. Yeah, so having um, with a liquor license, right? Yeah. Um, and just like, I don't know, just for opening night, you don't necessarily need it. We just thought it would be nice. Yeah. But getting a price list together and getting artist statements and getting that together. But honestly, I think when you're doing your own show, like you're creating a vision, you know, and like your your vision of what you want it to be is it's like your own thing. It's your personal thing. Like, I don't know that there's a right or wrong way to do Mm -hmm. it. I think it's important to, to get your work um, properly explained and to make sure that it's, uh, it's comprehensible to your audience or to whoever comes to the gallery so that they can take away, or at least the basis of your concept, what they take away from your work is what they take away from your work. But um, because, you know, people connect to it in their own way. But um, I think that, I think that it's really personal to the person putting on the show and it's how you want to create that experience for the people who are coming to experience your work. I don't for know sure. that there's like a right or wrong way, but it's like, if you're doing an installation gallery, like there's no proper way to do that. Right. Like it's art. It's so subjective. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I feel like the beauty too, when you're, you know, you're putting on your own show and you're collaborating, it's like you have so much control over what you want the viewer to feel, see, understand from coming into your space and viewing your work. Yeah. And I mean, you can only, um, like you can only do your best in putting that together with, um, with show, with the show that I did in New York. Um, it was very different. Like we, I just kind of shipped my piece there and showed up. Like Mm -hmm. I gave them my artist statement. I was responsible for shipping my piece there and shipping it back. And like, that was kind of what I was in charge of. Yeah. Um, and getting there. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, like that, that's, that in itself is definitely like a learning experience just like even like who do you ship with do they provide a shipper do you find one and then finding yeah. accommodation and and everything so included. I think in most cases the artist is responsible for getting their work there mm-hmm. um I've yet to deal with a gallery that hasn't put the artist in charge of that mm-hmm. okay cool yeah um I mean I know that there are online art consultants and online things and they'll be like yeah we we'll deal with that but I've I haven't dealt with a gallery that has yeah but I'm they might like I'm not sure it's just from my experience for sure yeah no like I don't have personally don't have any experience showing uh, my fine art across the border so I've never dealt with shipping so for me like that's mm-hmm. its own world entirely at the moment <laughs> yeah and shipping shipping is it depends right like it depends on what your work is it depends on like where you're shipping it to and like there are um there are companies that do deal with it that do deal um with shipping for you Mm -hmm. like art transferring companies yeah um so 
Yeah, no, good it's... point. Like like you're saying, right? Because your work is canvas based, whereas like an artist that's working with glass or sculptures, like that's a, also like another thing to take into consideration. Yeah. Well, my work is actually wood. It's all oh, wood, it's right? All sculpted wood. Yeah. yeah. But so it it is really heavy to ship. But yeah, smaller pieces are nothing, you know? For sure. Yeah. All right. So I'm trying to think now, like we had actually, I put out these questions to just the greater artistic community and someone asked like, what might your experience be with navigating the male dominated, dominated art scene or what has your experience been with this? So I've had a lot of mixed experiences. Um, for the most part, it's been relatively positive. Um, there's been a lot of great support and a lot of, um, you know, encouragement in that regard. I've also dealt with the complete opposite. And I've dealt with like a lot of, um, I've, I've dealt with a lot of sexism. I've dealt with, you know, people just kind of not, not taking me seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've dealt with some of that stuff too. Um, yeah. It, I think it, it varies. It's, it's, Yeah. I don't know. I've dealt with both. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely have too. I've had some interesting experiences, so I can definitely relate to like not being taken as seriously or being in a situation where I'm on a project, the way that I'm being responded to or even talked to would not be the case if I was a man. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. I've dealt with some, some condescending people. I've dealt with some people who just like, just like have called and not necessarily me, but I've, I've witnessed them call like other female artists like terrible things and you're just like well like I'm also a female artist like what are you yeah like what are you not saying about me when I'm not around and there's there's things like that um yeah but I mean that being said like there is a lot of really there's a lot of really great support out there as well that I've also experienced all right so i'm just gonna jump in here real quick i apologize my audio in this episode is less than perfect as you might have been able to hear so far but i'm so happy that you can hear morgan loud and clear so many great points that she's mentioned and in this moment specifically i was just asking her how she may have had to navigate this space in the past and she goes on to tell me a really interesting social experiment that she tried there was there was like a a few months where like i was just like as a social experiment, like I was just, I had a fake email and I was communicating as a male on my behalf as a female artist. Yeah. And like, it was a very, it was a very interesting dynamic and like the way that people responded to like that persona or that character that I was pretending was like so drastically different than like what I was dealing with, like on my own levels. And like, it wasn't, it was just very I don't know, like it could have just been like the people I was dealing with or whatever, but it was very obscure. Sorry, how long ago was this when you tried it out? Um, so I tried it out over the summer. Okay. I probably did it for about like four or five months. True. See, I for some reason had this feeling that maybe this was like a couple years ago. So like maybe if you tried it like now, if it would be like different. But like if this was just this past summer, that's not that long ago. <laughs> no, it's not that long ago. And like it was mostly it was mostly when I was dealing with galleries in the States. Okay. Like it wasn't it wasn't an experience here, but I had a really um, I had a really weird experience with a gallery in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, where they, I had a show there and they sent, 
they sent my piece back not in the crate that I sent it in yeah. and when they sent it back they like wrapped it in um in bubble wrap and duct tape wow and like a box that didn't fit it and so when I took it out it was damaged and they just yeah. like weren't taking me seriously they weren't taking responsibility they weren't doing anything um mm -hmm. so so that was when I kind of decided to do this like alternate persona thing just to, like test it out but I wasn't yeah. using it for like a long long time and I wasn't like super active on it but for the in for the couple of like interviews I had or like not interviews um like correspondence that I had back and forth it was it was definitely a shift yeah in the way that things were being handled but see I think you also bring up like a really great point like your experience with galleries and how they treat you and treat your art because I've definitely had like my own experiences with galleries like sometimes these galleries have also very specific contracts and guidelines by which they operate and sometimes you don't really necessarily realize what you're signing up for until like after the fact so do you have yeah. any any tips for you know emerging artists of what to look out for so we're not running into these scenarios um I would say read your contracts, make your modifications. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with making modifications to a contract and having your own contract kind of prepared that you have them sign off on. Yeah. And um, that was that was something that was definitely a trial and error on my part. Um, but like have, and it was also advice that was given to me when I had that trial and error, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, is that you always, always make the modifications that you need to make to that contract. Cause there will be loopholes where they'll be like, oh, we aren't responsible for anything that happens to your work. You know, like yeah. you may want to put that that's on the condition that it's delivered the way that you send it. Or you may want to put that like, they're like, they're not responsible once it's picked up. Or, you know, like you may want to like specify certain things because that's where I found there have been a lot of loopholes or even just constructing your own, like even like having your own list of things that like within reason, obviously, mm -hmm. um, that you want to make that negotiation with the gallery owner. Yeah. Not being afraid to actually take that second step to protect yourself and protect your work because at the end of the day, the worst thing is like, yeah, getting your work back bubble wrapped and not how you sent it and just being like, what the hell just happened? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like, you know, sometimes stuff does get damaged. Sometimes stuff does happen. Um, but as long as it's handled with the respect that it's delivered or as long as it, you know, like you just want to have those specifications in. Yeah. And we shouldn't have to, but, you know, sometimes you just, you put it in there just to be safe. Yeah. Because you never, you never know. Agreed, agreed. So yeah, so with, with shows and you've shown and you do mm -hmm. commissions and I'm just wondering like which avenue has worked really well for your art with regards to sales? Sometimes I do like little like handmade knickknacks. Like I'll do like, you know, pins and I'll do magnets and I'll do prints. And sometimes those are better when I'm doing like a show where there's a bit of like a table and you have merch. Yeah. Or sometimes... Sometimes people will see something at a show and be like, you know, I really like this, but I want to do it like with this modification and, and they get a commission out of it or they like the piece and they buy the piece or, you know, sometimes people contact through Instagram or Facebook. Like it really all depends. For sure. Um, yeah. But I think the most important thing is talk to your customer. Like if someone mm -hmm. is like, talk to them, see what they're looking for see what their budget is and try and work with them um from my experience i think it's good to have different price ranges and 
to also have that line of communication. Like if someone likes something that's out of their price range, being willing to, um, to make something custom for them that accommodates that price range or being able to like give them options that fit into that price range rather than like, you know, I think that that is really beneficial because Mm -hmm. I mean, we're artists, like we want our work out in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, like it, it, benefits other people a lot more than it benefits sitting in our studio definitely (laughs) at least from my perspective like I would so much rather my piece be out there and have someone really really love it than just have it collecting dust for sure I feel like we can all feel that like you know the artists that want the ones that create the work the visual art that sits like at home like wherever in storage like you just want it to be loved and you want it to be out in the world definitely and like to be able like Okay, super cheesy, but, like, nothing, like, warms my heart more than someone who, like, loves and, like, is stoked on my work and connects with my work. And I think every artist can relate to that. To I love that. Artist, you know, <laughs> like, like, having someone feel connected to your work to the extent that they want it in their space all the time is super special, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you're putting a little bit of yourself out there. You've created this like this piece. It's a projection and extension of your being and someone connects with it so deeply that they just want it around all the time. Like that's magical, you know, like that's 100%. Just, like, and like, oh, if yeah. I can create that for someone else, even though it's out of their budget or even though it's whatever, like I'm more than happy to, like, I would love to provide that for someone else. Yeah. I know. I uh, totally agree with what you're saying because on on a lot of levels I feel like we're in the service-based industry we want art to serve a greater purpose we want it to bring joy to those like hands that it's going into totally and it's like this weird like balance because it's it's like a strong suit but it's also like our most vulnerable point because like inevitably like we just put so much into what we create just from like the hours of doing it and the emotions that we feel and the things that we feel and project into that work that you know like like it touches a deep part Mm -hmm. whether or not we're conscious of it it does touch a deep part being able to share that with someone and like even if they connect to it in their own way which is what happens most of the time that might not even be the way that you intended to the fact that it touches someone that deeply is like pretty awesome yeah it is it's kind of a surreal moment sometimes you're just like wow you know all right cool so I'm going to switch gears a little bit I want to ask you what in your practice causes you the most discomfort or stress causes the most discomfort or stress um can you elaborate a bit yeah so this could be paying your bills or maybe finding extra clients to make the sales or even picturing the longevity of your career um, or maybe just even, you know, how your work is going to proceed, like feeling the vulnerability, putting your work out there, whatever stress might be for you. Um, most stressful part about, yeah, I think, I don't know. Off, off the top of my head, like, I think like, several of those things come and go in waves, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's not really one component that I like really, really focus on. Sometimes, sometimes I lose touch with like why I'm doing what I'm doing and I get like a mini existential crisis (laughs) and then like it passes. Um, 
but like I don't think that that's any I don't think that's different from anyone else though like I think that that's something that like a lot of people go through especially because I guess I like I can't speak for everyone but growing up for me like art wasn't something that was traditionally encouraged like my my family super supportive school systems not so much Mm -hmm. you know like like older generations not so much like there's a lot of like well how are you going to make a living how are you how are you going to do this or how are you going to do that or what happens if you know and there were all these what ifs and I think that that's where like any of that comes from but it passes yeah it just it comes and goes or being told that it's a hobby not a career yeah like (laughs) yeah that's always a nice one so like yeah actually saying that like how do you deal with maybe the judgment from other people people Mm -hmm. people have different needs people are different like I'm I'm not a full-time artist like I'm I have well prior to COVID I had a job that I you know that like I went to and that offset went for when I'm not selling or when I'm not doing this that or the other Mm -hmm. because like for me like that does provide a sense of security and like that kind of gives me the wiggle room to like not stress about that stuff right like I don't expect people to understand being an artist if they're not creative but they have other hobbies you know like I don't I don't understand lots of I don't understand golf but like I'm not (laughs) I'm not hating on someone for playing golf like that's that's their thing yeah like it's just I just, you just ignore it. Like, it's not, you know, I it's totally just, it is. Yeah. So, so many good points in there. And like, if you can be an artist full time, awesome. Like that's super badass and that's cool. I would go nuts. Mm-hmm. Like I almost need, like, I almost need that different sort of stimulation. Like I need to change up how my brain is thinking and like change what I'm doing to like sometimes find inspiration sometimes you need to get out of the studio or get out of the house or approach something and use a completely different part of your brain that's not racking about making art you know like they're like having having a part-time job or having something that changes up your routine or having something that brings in a separate income that's not art related doesn't make you not an artist Mm -hmm. it doesn't make you not successful it just you know, like exactly. there's nothing wrong with it's it. It's not that you like and failed I, or anything like that. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes art won't sell. Sometimes you won't sell a painting for six months or three months or whatever. Or you won't have a project or you won't get into that show and you need a second source of income. Like, so what, you know, like it's not keeping you from creating. And if it is, then maybe it's building up for you to like have that much more drive to create and find ways to create in your off time yeah hell yeah (laughs) yeah like like when you're when you're creative like creating isn't doesn't have to be something you force because sometimes it just comes out naturally even if it's just like having a sketchbook with you or like a doodle book or you know something where you jot down ideas or whatever that you carry around that you can just like exert 20 minutes into yeah like doesn't you know like the amount that you spend like you need to live. You need to live and you need to pay your bills. Like that's the bottom Something. line. Like yeah, for sure. So yeah, with COVID nineteen, has it opened up more time for you to get into your zone, like creating your work? Yeah, is there any new things that you've tried? Like how has it changed your time right now? 
So I'm definitely doing a lot of the admin work I've been putting off. (laughs) So like updating my website, um, you know, like organizing my files, like getting, getting applications kind of organized and like, you know, updating like CVs, like all the stuff that I've like been kind of lazy about doing because I would much rather be working on new work. Yep. <laughs> um, so, so I've had time for that. Um, I have been creating a little bit though. I did bring some of my stuff home from my studio to create. Um, but yeah, it's, it fluctuates. Sometimes there's like anxiety and stress and like this like feeling that I need to be doing something to make up for it. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times where like it just comes really naturally and I'm really excited to do it because, you know, we're we're paying for this time. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're not we're not working, we're not going out, we're not getting paid at our jobs if we have jobs. Like people aren't spending the money to buy art as readily like we are paying for this time in other ways and like you know it feels right to be utilizing yeah. it sometimes you need a rest and give yourself the time to take advantage of being a little lazy it's a bit of a balance definitely I find that there's a lot of that like just balancing it like when and how you can um mm-hmm. oh, I was gonna say you just said something and I was like oof I want to ask something about that further um yeah, admin, that's it. I totally hear that. I find for myself as well, <laughs> the slower winter season is like the moment in time where I'm like, all right, it is time. I'm going to tackle that website <sighs> I haven't touched in like six years, seriously. So <laughs> I'm definitely there with you. I'm just like on my computer these days. So with the online presence, like, is there anything that you've tried or have you been seeing artists do that you're like, that's pretty cool? Um, one thing that I've really, really loved and have been super into is reposting other artists, you know, like I love that everyone went on this huge spree and they're like, we can't like create, like, let's hype each other up and like, let's, let's make sure that other people are seeing each other's work. And it's really beautiful to like, see how everyone's kind of come together. And I think that, um, yeah, it's been really, really cool. And connecting with all of these artists, just because you like their work, you're like, I like this person's work, like, boop, boop, boop. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, shit, like, thanks. And then, like, you know, like, you're just bringing in all of these people that, you know, and like, kind of uniting. And like, that's really cool. And I really love that. Um, Definitely. But I, yeah. And I think that the cool thing about COVID is um, we tend to, we've kind of like, become Vulcans. Like, we have all this information and, like, we don't have the social skills the way that, like, maybe we once did. And I I really appreciate how much light COVID has shed on that, you know, and yeah. how much more people are craving that connection and craving that intimacy. And, like, we spend so much time on our computers and on our phones that, like, we've we've diluted that a lot. And so I think it's really, it's really cool that it's, that it's sparked that awareness and it's made it it's made it more special and it's made it it's made it so that people take it less like less for granted for sure I feel like from what you're saying too like I've noticed like with all this online presence and hyping each other up and supporting one another there is this really good feeling really become such a positive thing that's been connecting us and seeing in what ways that the creative community has really been helping and like loving on one another connecting this way which is like 
so different and it's like yes like this is what it can be totally totally and it's it's really cool because it's like you're you're banding together with people you might not even personally know or have ever met but like still have this like weird deep-rooted like can like communal connection with yeah i'm like that's really that's really nice too like it's definitely i think it's definitely sparked a lot of conversations that have dissolved a lot of boundaries and a lot of walls for people you know like people are are breaking past that anxiety of of doing this that and the other because they don't feel like they're alone even though we're all becoming lizard people (laughs) from all the hand washing in our own homes (laughs) Yeah, excited to see how we respond to it, like what type of art and what kind of creative output we're going to see because of this experience right now. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely an interesting thing to watch unfold. You know, even just having the time to take the opportunity to do all that, like admin work or the stuff you don't want to do or trying to do something else because you're limited in your materials or whatever it is like it's it comes out better from experience, from connection, from the standpoint of reflection, like all of these elements that we're getting time to take in and absorb whole are just like, you know, like it's, it's not something that happens very often. Yeah. And it's not something that will probably happen again in our lifetime. Maybe I could be completely wrong, but there's a really good chance that this is the only time that we'll have to deal with something to this extent for sure and like the fact that you know we haven't dealt with anything like this in our lifetimes to this point yeah it's going to be really curious how how this ultimately influences us yeah it's very surreal it is it's very very surreal and yeah it does there are components of it though where you're like, this is a little Orwellian, <laughs> you know, like the lineups outside. Oh my like, gosh. Like, just like the, the police just kind of like cruising through to make sure like people aren't doing certain, like there's just components of it. And I'm like, okay, like a little 1984 for my comfort, but like, I know it's temporary. Yeah. I think it's just so wild because it's like, we've just known this certain structure to life as like day in, day out. Like that's how we roll. And this has really shown mm-hmm. us like what else is possible literally overnight. Like I like the, how the fact that we are so orderly, like in lining up, like waiting to use the ATM, like I can't, I can't like where did this come like where did this come from but I mean yeah it's it's nuts it's very very surreal (laughs) very surreal (laughs) no I was just saying it's a trip like it's not nothing about you definitely (laughs) trippy so I know you're mentioning like the balance and like have you had rest have you been able to actually just like chill out give yourself some time because I know too as creatives like we really grind and we can really push through a lot of things and sometimes the work itself just like you know it sucks us in and I think even like telling ourselves to stop and like have a day or have two is really difficult but have you had time to just utilize this this rest yes I have I'm I definitely have had to force myself a couple times to rest. Like I've definitely put some pressure on myself to be like, no, you need Mm -hmm. to be doing work. Like you need to be like utilizing every moment. But then I remember that I'm naturally introverted and like, I don't, I don't really have to put that much pressure on myself just because it's like a major quarantine. Like I should just treat it the way I normally treat it. And like, 
because I'll be more productive in the long run. For sure. I've definitely like noticed that in myself too. Like, you know, there's this time now and I should be utilizing every single second of it. And I'm, and I'm just like, no, actually like, let's just take it back. And I think it's really funny too, when we are able to catch ourselves and just be like, all right, it's okay. You know, cause yeah, that's its own thing entirely. That recognition is huge. You know, when we talk about us just even being like sensitive, like as individuals being sensitive to the world and everything around us and like how we experience it and then ultimately create art through it. I find that, you know, just our mental health is like really important. So I feel like even self-care in itself is a really good Mm -hmm. conversation and honoring our needs. So I'm also curious, like, do you have a self-care routine or things that you're just really mindful of just giving yourself when you feel like you need it? Yeah. um, So I think the biggest thing is allowing myself to feel all the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that's that's like the biggest thing is like allowing like giving myself the room and space to have all of the feelings so that I don't get caught. Mm-hmm. Um but also like exercising has been a huge help. Um reading is really good. Um I don't know, like, there are, like, certain things that I'll do that kind of, like, stimulate my brain in another way or that, like, help kind of keep my mind at ease. Um, I I do, I go on and off with meditation. Sometimes I like meditation. Sometimes I, like, forget about it entirely. And then I, like, have this on-off relationship mm-hmm. with meditation. Um, but, yeah, I think journaling, too, and, like, brainstorming, I have... I have those as well. So there are a few things. It's kind of just like, like listening to what you yeah. need, like, le- like developing that sense of self, I think, and like figuring out what it is you need. If you need a nap, take that nap, Yeah, you know, like you need to just like lie on the floor and do nothing, like lie on the floor and do nothing. Like That's so important. I think like, it's so easy for us to just like really stop ourselves in our tracks sometimes and like not actually fully embody like the anger or the sadness or whatever it is. But like feeling everything is just like crucial because then like once you process it, it's almost like a relief, you know, like if it's just, yeah. yeah. So I love that you said that. It's just so important. And like a lot of the time, like we find that we feel like we should repress them or we shouldn't like there's no room for them you Mm -hmm. know and it's like you have to you have to make that for yourself you know like you need to cry like you don't have to cry in the street but like give yourself like 15 minutes to have a solid cry and like and it's totally okay like Like, yeah just do it yeah yeah just like feel it let it through like if you if you're not comfortable with that like pick a color like make an abstract of like an abstract base of something or just like get something out like allow yourself to do whatever you need to do to feel that you know like there's there's room for it if you'll allow there let's feel everything like it's okay yeah you have to cry in the middle of the street like crying like at every commercial like I don't know why the day is good I'm just like releasing things and then like my partner's like yo are you cool like are you doing that thing I'm like yeah yeah, it's happening (laughs) I'm just releasing yeah oh my god I feel you like sometimes my face will just start (laughs) and I'm just like yo like I just saw this thing and like I shouldn't be sad but like the leaks are happening I'm just gonna roll with like Um, it's just is what it is yeah and like if you don't and you repress it like sometimes it comes out in really unhealthy ways that end up being really detrimental yeah and like it just bubbles over in 
like ways that just aren't productive and like aren't healthy for you or the people around you and like it's just it's nonsense just feel all the feels (laughs) perfect I'm totally there with you totally all right cool so we're like pretty much all wrapped up I have one final question for you what is the one skill or mindset that has helped you achieve success in your career the one skill or mindset um one is okay so (laughs) I have a couple amazing um one is one is the five minute rule the five minute rule like when you don't feel like doing something just like do it for five minutes and like see how Mm -hmm. it goes um the other one is find other ways to stimulate yourself in a creative way whether it's reading or it's you know like picking up a medium that you're less familiar with or whatever like find something that like you don't put as much pressure on yourself and you give yourself the room to explore um and the third is create for yourself create for your own purpose of exploration and reflection and you know or just because it makes you happy and puts a smile on your face like create for your own reasons like everything else will come like you just you just have to focus on making the work and on putting like allowing yourself to allowing yourself to make shitty work allow yourself to make great work allow yourself to make work that you don't even know if you Mm -hmm. like like just allow yourself to just do it yes so like I think those are the main things and don't let people tell you yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're not listening to that (laughs) yeah that's not okay Okay. don't listen to those people All right, popping in one more time because my audio cuts out, but listen up because Morgan lets us know where we can find her. Um, So the best way to get in touch with me would probably be through Instagram, which is just Morgan Abenheim. Um, And then the, or email, which is morgan.abenheim at gmail.com. Wicked. And then, yeah, if anyone missed that, it'll all be in the show notes. So Thank you so much, Morgan. This was just so rad. It was such a great time talking with you. And yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. no problem. Thank you so much for listening and joining me today on the Creative Co. podcast. If you like what you heard and want more, please leave us a review, subscribe, or connect with me on Instagram at Anya Mielnichak. All right, friends, till next time. I'll see you soon and stay creative.